It's Beauty and Ed with Lisa Goosewell. I'm here to give you your too long, didn't listen of the podcast. However, I do think you will enjoy this podcast with Amy Fleecheck of North Dakota United. North Dakota United is best known as our teachers union. However, they do cover all people who work within a school um, and can unionize. Uh, What's unique about their professional development, though, is you don't even need to be working at a school. You just need to take an interest in education and want to help better service students of any age with any disability through their book studies and their great community support system. Amy Fleecheck and I cover topics from teacher burnout to um, trying to invite teachers into professional development organizations, the difficulty many North Dakota organizations find in trying to come into schools and lead professional development because they're competing with um, national organizations or even corporations for time. So I think what we have here is a great discussion that you will find very entertaining to say the least. So I hope you have a beauty of a time. Take care. Welcome to Beauty in Education. From the Square Butte of North Dakota, I am your host, Lisa Goosewell. On season one of Beauty in Ed, we are focused on professional development opportunities offered to North Dakota teachers. Today, we have a special guest, Amy Fleecheck from North Dakota United. Amy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I'm happy to be here. Um, I am, um, this is my third year with North Dakota United. Um, I came here after 28 years in the classroom and um, started as just a a, a one-year um, employee to kind of do some things with the professional development department and then things changed within the department and then I slid into the director of professional development um, role and have been doing that um, as a department of one for the last two years so um, it's been great and challenging at times and um, but still lets me keep in touch and kind of keep in pulse with what what is going on in education, um, which is, you know, where my heart has always been, but I just needed a change. And this, this allowed me that change, but to still be involved and to still affect kids. You chose a heck of a time to switch, didn't you? Good. Because <laughs> two years puts you right around that pandemic time. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but it's been good. It's, it's, it's been good. So 28 years in the classroom, yes. you still very much feel that connection, but just wanted a little bit of a shift. Um, was what attracted you to this position of de- professional development organizer and department of one um, part of you just wanting to um, develop closer relationships and connections with teachers and schools? You know, I loved teaching. I love teaching. I still do it with what I am doing. I love teaching um, and I loved students and I loved my coworkers. What I didn't love 
was um, feeling ineffective as far as what I was helping educators achieve within the district I was in. I was an association leader within my district, um, a negotiator, president, members' rights, um, and things were happening to the educators that I didn't agree with. Um, and when asked questions by leadership about it and how can we make things better and then not being heard, I just decided I couldn't feel ineffective in that way anymore. So I needed to find a way to still help kids. And by coming to this position, I am helping educators be the best that they can be get what they need as efficiently and easily as possible so that they can still do the best for our North Dakota kids, um, which is my ultimate goal. I think um, what you're saying with that feeling of not being heard is what a lot of educators felt, especially during the pandemic. Um, there were these big decisions being made, such as Sunday, right before school starts at 7 p.m. Oh, you you're not going into work tomorrow and there hadn't been any discussion prior to that and then um, I think when schools were able to come back in session teachers again were left outside of the meetings when it came time to do the health and safety planning um, I know I definitely felt left out and one of the biggest issues was um, wearing masks in the classroom when we didn't have an air conditioner and students um, were getting too hot mm -hmm. and we didn't have a plan in place prior to that. And I think if teachers had been included in it, we maybe would have been doing that extra planning starting in May not two weeks before the school year because you know how it is for you and me we're like, oh my gosh, we need to make sure that our health and safety plan is perfectly in place because I'm right. going to be the one in charge of enforcing it. And um, I think had we been a little bit more respected members of that conversation, that yes. we could have potentially had a smoother transition for teachers and kids. Absolutely, yeah. Definitely felt very ineffective. <laughs> And just in talking with educators throughout the whole state, um, that's definitely not being heard um, in that planning, I think has affected, I don't want to say attitude, but it's just, it has affected their mindset for sure with what they're doing. Um, they're just overloaded with so much. I mean, on, on, on so many levels that um, I think we're going to start losing some really quality educators in our state because of of things like that that are happening not being heard yeah i think a large part of why i stay in the profession is because i am a member of these different organizations that really make me feel like i'm heard and if i'm not getting that kind of recognition at school i'm still getting it within that organization and that still keeps me alive and firing right. Yep. <laughs> and I think that's what you provide through North Dakota United. We have this organization. You might not be heard at your school, but here we are. We're ready to listen and see if we can even maybe help. Right. 
And we try very hard here to do that. Um, you know, we, I work here with the most amazing group of people who really, truly, truly decide to hear their members um, and, and aid them in, in what their needs might be. So that is exciting. <laughs> I know that during union negotiation times, sometimes we're talking to one of your representatives all the way to 7 p.m. Yep. <laughs> that yep. must be a stressful season. I very. Yeah. <laughs> it's like tax. Just that me, I don't negotiate, but it gets it gets pretty hairy around here around negotiations time. Yep. <laughs> oh, okay. So thinking about the professional development that you offer, um, how do teachers participate in the PD? Do they have to be members of the union or could they see something that you're offering and are like, oh, okay, that actually fits my needs. How does someone go about it? Um, typically what happens, I mean, we, I don't wanna say advertise, but we, we make aware what we have going on in a multitude of ways. Um, you know, there's social media, there's, you know, an Instagram presence, a Twitter presence, Facebook, where, where courses are put out there. I email um, local association presidents a couple of times a month with everything that's coming up. Um, our website has all of our offerings um, on it also along with the registration portion. Um, and so if people are aware of North Dakota United in whatever fashion that they, they are made of where anybody can participate in our professional development. As a member, it costs less than if you're a non-member, but we also offer it um, at a lesser cost for ESP and for retired. And then if you are a student going, you know, if you're, if you're a college student going into education, you can also access our courses you wouldn't take it for credit, of course, because it's graduate credit, but just the information itself sometimes is um, important and students can take it for free because we all, I mean, they're poor. <laughs> so it's like we try to make the information available to them, um, you know, just to be helpful and a resource for them. So yeah, anybody can take. And with ESPs, that's um, talking about um, building support professionals, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Do you guys get a lot of paraprofessionals joining your PD sessions? Um, no, not really. Um, we have a, a set of courses right now that have just begun running called, um, we, we call them mini courses, and they are a Wednesday evening webinar. Um, that webinar is recorded so people can go back and watch it after the fact if they can't attend live. We do have some ESP signed up for those um, because two components that are probably going to be fairly helpful for the ESP are we've got an upcoming with Pam Kruger, who is an Orton-Gillingham certified reading specialist. Um, and she's going to be doing a five series um, set of webinars on dyslexia, dyspraxia, dyscalculia, and their effects on learning. And then we have, um, <clears throat> oh, her name is escaping me right now. She's out of Minot and she's a trauma, um, emotionally disturbed certified educator. And she's going to be doing five sessions on um, 
prevalent student diagnoses. So ADHD, OCD, anxiety, autism spectrum, and then some tips and strategies and that kind of thing for, for educators who are dealing with students that might have some sort of diagnoses. That's really great to hear because I know that the paraprofessionals that I am very fortunate to work with, they often feel very overwhelmed because they are the ones that mm -hmm. I think most deal with students who have those um, unique behavioral needs mm -hmm. and or academic needs. They're always dealing with those unique things. Um, and it's great that they're doing that, but they haven't received that training and Absolutely. they often feel like, oh, <laughs> right. Um, right. am I doing this right? Right. Even Should I be the one doing it? <laughs> like how to read their IEP. You know, if, if they've not been shown or told, you know, this is on the IEP and this is what you need to honor and do, you know, trying to navigate through that IEP is, is difficult. Um, you know, so even just some of that information should be more so offered. Um, especially for our ESP and our new educators too. I don't know if there's a college course. I mean, I'm older, so I don't even, I don't know if there's a college course that teaches, you know, a general education teacher how to navigate through, you know, that IEP. So now you're dating me not too long here, <laughs> but um, at North Dakota State, we had a multicultural mm -hmm. education class that they used as well to talk about um, different ability learners and we did touch on differentiation, but I think the term oppositional defiant disorder was not a thing that I had heard or experienced when I came in. I remember in one of my classes, someone was like, well, what if, what if the students don't listen to me? And I'm like, what do you mean what if they don't listen to you <laughs> and um very naive at that time i was yeah. <laughs> and it was a very great question um what do you do and the answer to that question means that you have to undergo um some i think serious study by doing mm -hmm. book studies uh, you got to do a lot of practice so yeah you might have the knowledge but actually putting it into place when a kid is saying things that aren't very kind, like I hate this. Right. <laughs> and knowing how to respond back to that when it's like, oh, how, how dare you say that right. about my right. class? <laughs> I think um, definitely having that support structure that you guys are probably providing for teachers and those paraprofessionals when they're in those situations is important. Because it's something that us teachers, we don't often feel comfortable talking about how right. difficult those situations are, um, but they are really difficult and we don't always react to them correctly. And it is helpful for us to be humble and talk with others and share that experience. Because I don't think we can actually get better unless we support each other right absolutely absolutely and you just need i think you need to understand when you need to self-regulate also and not just helping that student self-regulate but sometimes you do you get to that point it's like okay i need to tap out and it's okay to get someone else in there to help you 
Um, and that's what's nice about the book studies. We run them on, it's a format called Ed Communities, which is similar um, in how it functions to Facebook, but it's for just the closed group of people that are in a particular course. And so it, it sets you up to have other people throughout the state that are also participating. It gives you that resource and people to go to and talk to and say, you know, this is what's going on. What have you all tried to, um, you know, to, to navigate this issue that's going on with the student or, or what have you. So it, it sets you up with some networking and connecting um, with people that might be outside of your school or your district. Okay, I have never heard of Ed Community before. I've taken a lot of professional development classes, but never through Ed Community. Um, when you sign up for a class, you're automatically put into that Ed Community. Are you able to talk and discuss with people from previous classes or other classes as well? Um, no, you really wouldn't be. Um, I, well, I mean, you, I guess you, okay, so if I took a course and I became familiar with, let's say you and I were taking um, the boy who, I'm totally lost at the date and the title, the boy who, the boy who was raised by dogs. Um, well, called dog? Was it called dog? I gotta look Treated up. like a dog. Lost at school, let's go with lost at school. Lost so totally at school. Lost at school. <laughs> So if we were in Lost at School together as a book study and we had conversations or, you know, we're replying back and forth to each other's comments, you and I would have made a connection, let's say, and I've given you my email address or, or my phone number or what have you, then we could communicate outside of that. But if you were doing Lost at School and I was not in that same group with you, I would not have access to you in that because it is close to just the people taking that book study. Okay. And well, Ed Communities is through um, the National Education Association. It's through NEA. Okay. Their format. What would stop you from just creating like, um, like a, a, a shell class mm -hmm. where you could invite anybody who wanted to be part of the ed community kind of like this extra Facebook only it's mm -hmm. just us teachers so nobody's judging you for being upset about getting your 35th um Christmas mug for the year <laughs> um nothing stops me I can easily do that okay um, and then it would just be letting people educators know if you want to be in just a an open forum, question and answer and support, go here, go here, go here, and there you would be. And it, it's just a, it's like those closed groups on Facebook that, you know, like North Dakota educators or North Dakota teachers, it's just that closed group, people would just have to, to access it and, and be led into the group. So yeah, nothing stops me from doing that. That sounds really great. Yeah, I wrote it down. <laughs> Um, cause yeah, on Facebook, there's something about this fear that I have, like, what if I thought so, yes. that I posted it in the private group, but I didn't. Yes. And now everyone knows that I don't know, like what a is as a part of speech, which the answers right. article 
it is an adjective. Just want to make sure everyone knows. <laughs> but if I didn't know and I wanted to ask in private, right. now I feel I would feel safer. Like, okay, only only my fellow teacher numbskulls are right. going to judge me, and that's safer. Right. You're anonymous on ed communities for the most part. Okay. You know, I mean, cool. your name is there, but um, and I've been participating in those for probably four years. Um, and they are very judgment-free. So. Well, yeah, union members, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of um, your unique uh, offerings. So can you tell us about some of the unique offerings? You've already told us about how you have um, trauma-informed professional development, and you also have um, different ability learner professional development. Are there other kinds that you guys offer? Um, you know, the categories, so I call them a cycle and I, just because it's just how my brain works, our courses begin June 1st and for the, the cycle run through May 31st. Um, and so I set up all of the offerings that we're going to do for that entire cycle. So this, this cycle, I think we have 60 to 65 book studies. Um, yep. Four topics worth of mini courses, which is 20, 20 sessions of mini courses. Um, we're going to also throw in some, something new where it's going to be a book study mini course where it's going to be meeting on Zoom and doing some ed communities discussion and some reading. So that'll be a little bit different this year than what we've done private or previously. But yeah, some of our topics are we've got innovation, um, leadership, um, so social emotional learning for students, uh, mindfulness for educators. Um, I'm just looking at my list here that I have leadership, success and motivation, behavior and classroom management um, with the science of reading being such a heavy discussion right now too. We have, I think it is 10 different credits worth of um, reading options for educators to tap into. Um, we've got anxiety, trauma, addiction courses, social and racial justice courses. So I take and, and get as many topics in there that are gonna be as relevant as possible to educators, um, kind of based on, I'll just send out emails to people and say, hey, what are some things that you would love to see this next cycle? My facilitators, I've got the most amazing group of about 15 educators through the state of North Dakota that um, help facilitate these book studies and they are just the most amazing people. Um, I ask them, what are you hearing? What do you think people would like? Um, anytime on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, anywhere when I see a book that I think, oh my gosh, this looks good, screenshot it, add it into my little arsenal of books for later and then Probably around April, I'll start going through everything I've compiled for the next cycle. And I'll start ordering books and looking at them. And so, yeah. That must be some really excellent facilitators because it sounds like if you're offering 60 to 65 books, some of them might be taking four plus books. Oh, I've, oh, ease, easily. I mean, I've got facilitators doing within the school year. And what amazes me is even the last two years with COVID and everything, those facilitators and their willingness to step up and still 
plan and lead these book studies um, when their work world or person, I mean, everything might be falling apart and they are still doing it and they do a, a lovely job. Um, yeah, we're kind of like Animal Farm. What, what is the name of the, the horse's name? Captain, Chief? <laughs> we'll just keep working. We'll just turn yeah. us into glue so, and die so that we're still useful. Yeah, that's what we do. That's what we do. Um, and then, and they do, we've got members. We've got members that take 15 book studies within a school year. Um, and and they're, every book study, every credit that we offer is for, is approved by UND. Our credits run through UND. Um, and they're, so they're approved by UND. And then um, ESPB accepts them for licensure and then districts accept them for lane change. So, um, you know, you can meet the needs that you need to have to make sure you continue to have a license. So you have a livelihood and then lane change so that you can keep moving over and, and making more money. So. So thinking about how purposeful you are with planning those book studies and those professional development opportunities for teachers and then making sure that there are credits offered to them for their time. Sounds like something maybe schools could model or maybe schools could partner with North Dakota United so that it isn't the responsibility of the principals to know like what's on the up and up because it sounds like your job is focusing in on what is the current issues in education and finding them. Um, Cause I, I'm thinking about how with the professional development that I do with my school, there's no continuing education, but oftentimes it's a lot of extra time. Um, and it's infrequently something that's useful to me. Um, we did have one occasion where a psychiatrist for our district came in and then led a 45 minute talk about um, de-escalation, but he was just talking about it. And you know, as a good professional development instructor that you can't just talk about it you need to allow the people who are listening to share their experiences, talk about what were some different strategies that could have been done and do relationship building. So then hopefully you can use that other person right. as a resource in the future. Right. Um, why do you think that schools aren't offering those um, current issues and current issues like you guys are? Because yeah, it seems like you guys are very much on the dial. I don't, I don't know. I, because I know some districts like Grand Forks, for example, I do know that they have something called PRISM. So when they have like an, an hour or a two hour thing after school, um, teachers can bank those hours. And once they hit 15 hours, they can get a, a credit for those hours hours but like you're saying they're not doing a deep dive into anything um it's just you know super superficial information and i don't know if it's because districts i don't know if administrators don't want to take the time to develop it um and then follow through with educators to make sure gosh you did this you did this you did this um i don't really know why they don't i mean i'm happy they don't because then i get to do what i do and people come to me um 
It sounds yeah. like it would be an entirely extra job. That's why it is your job, right? Right. It's just, um, I'd wondered why they don't partner with um, professional development organizations like yours. Not that you would know the minds of every administrator in the state. Right. But it did make me wonder. There are some courses that we have gone out to districts and done, like we have an educator ethics course, Elevating the Profession Through Educator Ethics, um, that we have gone out to, to districts and done for the whole district. Um, administrators have called us in because there, because there have been issues um, or whatever, and it's like it's easier just to give everybody on a PD day, um, which you can earn a credit for that then, because there's some extra work with it to meet your 15 hours. Um, yes, I want that. Yes, it's a great, it's a great course. And because of COVID, not even just necessarily COVID, we used to do it on a Saturday, but nobody wants to go up there Saturdays. And I don't blame them. I mean, educators are tired by the end of the week. Um, and so I have revamped it. So it is an online, just an online course that people can take. Um, you of course don't get that great discussion piece that you would if you're in person and there isn't that sharing of well this happened in my school and why would this be on you know which you know you, you learn so much through discussion with other educators um but it you know we've done it with many districts and we have done a couple of book studies with districts where administrators have said hey um you know this this book i've heard is so good i would like it for my you know entire district or whatever and and we have done it that way um, but I, you know, a lot of times administrators and the union, they don't kind of see eye to eye. So, um, I think that's probably one of the reasons that they don't really tap into us. But do you think there is an advantage when that relationship is built between your guys's course offerings and then the administration? Cause it sounds like it might be scratching each other's backs. Right. I mean, I think that if administrators were willing to just look at what we offer and just say, hey, these would be great for whatever population of educators, you know, what groups of teachers and what they teach, or our whole, you know, our whole middle school should do this, that kind of thing. I think that would be amazing. I mean, I would love that. You know, I'm, I'm of the mentality of work smart, not hard. If someone else is doing it for you, tap into that resource and say, hey, how can you help me help them? Which then helps our kids, um, which is ultimately, I think, I hope the greater good of everybody that is in education um, and especially in, in North Dakota, because that's where we live. It's like, I would hope that the ultimate goal is, are we doing what is best to, well, keep our teachers informed, but also mentally strong and emotionally strong and, and healthy. Um, so that they can do the best, most ultimate job for our kids. Yeah, I have had, I have a big concern about how our um, school districts and how our state spends money for teacher professional development. We seem as if we put a lot of money in these out-of-state corporations to come in and deliver PD, or we put a lot of money into a curriculum program. Um, when if maybe we had just partnered with a local organization such as North Dakota United, um, that we could have something more cost-effective, be supporting our own local experts in the field. Cause we have, like you said, with your oh. facilitators, yes. just 
incredible um, educators here who I think would have a better understanding of what's happening with our teachers in our schools with our students. Mm -hmm. I agree. I absolutely agree. You know, you should tap into your local. I mean, you need to tap into the people that you know, know your population best. Yeah. You know, someone from New York does not know North Dakota teachers, does not know North Dakota culture. Does I mean, they can't relate to that. Yeah. Um, for example, we have ed direction because the school that I teach at is a Title I school. So the school, I think uh, the state is very proactive. It says, okay, this is a Title I school. They need more support, but they don't think like, okay, what are our local communities? They instead tap into a corporation. So we got a um, teacher consultant from New Jersey. And he's like, you need to make these really well-developed lesson plans. And we were like, well, we teach like six subjects a day. I don't, I don't think I'm going to be able to do 30 detailed lesson plans a week. And he's like, well, I did it, but he only taught that one class. So if you are a North Dakota teacher, you know what's a reasonable ask of teachers right. and know where they should actually be spending their time. And have you seen any research studies that say that teaching improves with a detailed lesson plan? I have not. <laughs> I've never experienced that. I mean, um, yeah. And I think too, it's, to me, it makes more sense when you have somebody come in and they're, they're talking to you, to you about how you're teaching. Just that's like instructional coaches. Um, look at what I'm already doing and then just tell me, is there something I could add or take away or change a little bit or tweak it? Cause I've already got my plan, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I, 90% of the educators who are in classrooms are solid educators who uh, they probably don't need a whole lot of support in regard to what they're doing already. Um, and so, yeah, it makes no sense to me either to be paying high amounts of money, large amounts of money to people. Talk about lesson plans. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, I mean, see, I'm way back to the Madeline Hunter lesson plan from in college because I'm that old. Um, and it was like pages and pages and, you know, it was like nine pages of written stuff because we didn't even have computers then. It was all handwritten stuff for one spelling lesson. Whereas, you know, this is what we're going to cover. This is how I'm going to do it. And this is what the kids are going to do. So work smart, not hard. Totally work smart, not hard. I think there's that guy who wrote the book, like teach simply. And I was like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> this is the model we need. Teach simply. Yep. Um, so other questions that I have for you, I know we've talked a lot about different concerns that your group sees for educators. What would you say is your group's number one concern, especially looking at the year 2021 to 2022? Oh my gosh. I know, I like to narrow it down. Like what is the yeah. one thing? <laughs> and that's the title of a book. <laughs> that's the leadership. It's like, you just gotta fix, focus on one thing. And yeah. Okay, so then I would, um... I want to say overload, like teacher overload, but I don't even know that that's the right word. I think it is more, um, 
probably could encapsulate it with just respect because that's going to cover then, especially in the last two years, you have administrators asking so much more of teachers and that they've got to keep their, themselves safe and their kids safe with COVID. So you're monitoring like, is my room clean enough? Is everyone wearing the masks if we're supposed to be wearing masks? Are we washing our hands? You know, are we, are we, you know, staying far enough apart? We're not, you know, sharing drink, all those things. Those poor lower elementary. Yeah, oh, <laughs> not for a million dollars. Um, but, and, and then in the same breath, they have to teach their lesson and make sure they're hitting their standards and our students, are they learning and are they make, making benchmarks and, um, you know, are they hitting all the things that they need to be hitting? And make sure you're building those relationships and don't forget about the parents. Make sure you're building relationships with those parents because strong relationships with parents help you deal with your students who might especially have some needs later on. And so I think that they're being asked to do so much, but they're being thanked and appreciated for so little. Um, and I think just a little appreciation goes a long way to start filling up your cup. Um, you know, just, just for, and, 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 teachers are being asked to cover other classes because they can't get subs. And so you're not getting your planning time. So you're having to do it, you know, off time. And so I just think probably just being respected in all realms, I guess would be the one, if I had to choose one way of. And that's, I think when <clears throat> we get teachers, we're not a group that says no so we will continue to say yes, mm -hmm. but there is an effect on students because we're saying yes to all <clears throat> of these extra tasks. And <clears throat> it doesn't make school a very positive environment if you essentially have these teachers who just don't feel like they're valued. It's hard to then make other people feel valued when Absolutely. you're not. And yeah. do you see any shift towards there being more respect towards teachers or people in a school um, coming from this pandemic? I, I don't feel like I do, to be honest. Um, just in conversations that I have with, with educators um, in the work that I'm doing and conversations I have with my friends who are educators. You know, I have a large group of friends even from high school or educators. Um, I just, I don't feel like there, there is a shift happening. I think, and I can speak only, I'm, I'm thinking only of the district where I taught for so long. I think they like to think that they are being respectful because once in a while they might post something on Twitter that says, you know, our teachers are great. You know, that would not fill my cup. You know, I need someone to come to me. And I'm not a needy person in that way, although my love language is words of affirmation. Um, you know, I know if I'm doing a good job or not a good job. But sometimes I think that educators just need someone to come to them and say, you know what, I just really appreciate that you have given up preps all five days this week so that we could be covering people. I mean, just little things like that go a long way. Um, so I, I, I think that 
administratively they think that they're doing that. I don't, from the outside looking in, I don't see that happening. That makes me think about um, when I was leading professional development in Dunseith, I sent the teachers a thank you note and wrote about all the great things that I saw that they were doing in their school. And they hung it up in their teacher's lounge and kept it there for a year. And they were like, it was just that we don't get positive compliments from anyone. Everyone's always like, you got to do this better. Like this was great, but it's got to be clean. Always but. Yes, there's always but. And then I think about how um, my administrator, when he first came in, um, he was watching my class and observed, and then he left me a sticky note. And I just like kept that sticky note, hoarded it. (laughs) And, uh, you know, whenever I opened up my desk drawer, I'd be like, ah, yeah, that's right. He saw me be really awesome that one day. And it was just like an extra spark. Like, Mm -hmm. I just opened my desk drawer. There it is. and but, I, and yeah, it's really sad that in a profession where we're supposed to be bringing students up that so many teachers are feeling weighed down. Yeah, you know, they always say you can't fill from an empty cup. And that's, I think that's what teachers are doing. They're filling so many cups all the time and theirs is like, you know, a huge deficit in theirs. So yeah. it's just, I, I, it's funny when you, it's like the littlest thing it's because I even keep, I have notes on my bulletin board at work here from uh, people who have taken courses and it, or who I've helped out last minute. It's like, all of a sudden they're like, I thought I had another year to get three credits and I don't, what can you do for me? It's like, I've got independent study. This is what you need to do. Not a problem um, because I will do whatever I can to help an educator get what they need. You know, nobody should be in a panic about losing their license because, you know, they're trying to do something, you know, I've got a grandchild now. So it's like, I would hate for any educator to be in a panic and not focusing on him when he gets to school because they're so worried about a credit. You know, it just seems so, you know, kids are the most important thing. So whatever I can do to make that happen, I'm gonna do. Yeah, that list of priorities gets out of funk. Um, And like you said, what do teachers want to be doing? Well, it's the one job that taxpayers most want them to do. And that is making sure that the kids in their room feel safe, loved, and are being challenged in a way that is going to lead to them feeling successful in life. Because we just want what's best for the kids, I think, everyone all around. Um, And I think one way to do that is through really great, professional development organizers saying, hey, don't worry, we're going to figure this out together. (laughs) Um, You have me, you have our organization, and we care about you and want to see you continue to teach and not worry about your licensure. Right, right, absolutely. Because it is an isolating profession in North Dakota, um, being rural. So usually you're the only teacher who teaches your subject. Right, so, yeah. Um, to be able to reach out to an organization, a state organization filled with teachers that are in similar predicaments, I think is something invaluable. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, thank you so much, Amy. Um, if we wanted to find you or North Dakota United on social media, if we wanted to join your PD, how would we go about doing that? Well, if you wanted to join some PD or take a look at it, if you went to www.ndunited.org backslash events, that has all of the courses that we offer. And then my email is also listed in there. It's just amy.fleecheck at ndunited.org. Um, I'm on Twitter, just Amy Fleecheck. And then, um, uh, yeah, I mean, on Instagram too. I don't post a lot on Instagram of coursework though. Twitter I do, but um, Instagram is mostly just my grandson. <laughs> but, um, and then North Dakota United has a presence on, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of that also. Um, just under North Dakota United or at ND United. And how you have yours set up is really useful for educators because we like to plan in advance and you have it all set up on May 31st. Entire year. Yes, so. so you can just like, okay, during my Christmas break, or I don't know, yeah. <laughs> um, have that set up and ready to go. Mm -hmm. Well, Amy Fleecheck from North Dakota United, Thank you so much for your time. And I hope that our listeners recognize that there is a great opportunity to learn from you and all the facilitators that you have. Um, but that is our time. Thank you all so much.